how how disciplined is Mike Gravel on the sideline? Because we could see him animated. What's what's coming out of his mouth? Uh, is it available? Uh, get... um, so he gets on us pretty hard through the week and practice, but like in the game setting, he tries not to ever like scream at us, yell at us, or anything like because he tries to keep us here. Like he never wants to bring us down or anything like that. So I mean, he's definitely calm until the ref make like a bad call or something like that. And you mm-hmm. kind of see him like. You kind of see what we see through the week. Like he start booting up. So like he and he always say, "Don't let me talk to her." I was like, "Don't I'm, you don't talk to her? Let me talk to her because I'm gonna cuss her ass out." <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. he was saying something that Florida game. Oh, oh yeah, he my be snapping. He be snapping for sure. He a real game. He be snapping for sure. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub. In the house, so we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. Great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear, presented to you by GoLongGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening. Wonderful Wednesday evening. We're here with former FSU football star, defensive back, Jarian Jones. Been looking forward to this one for a very long time, over a year now, honestly, but really wanted to get you on here after your time at FSU so we can just chop it up and do our own thing. But he's with us this evening. Also down below is Dustin Lewis, our lead writer and editor, our editor-in-chief at Noel Game Day. And then down below is Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer. Jarian, what's going on, baby? Super excited to have you on here this year with us this evening. What's up, man? How y'all doing? Happy to be on. Yeah, we were just talking in the production meeting, but you're over there in Dallas with a handful of other former Noles. Tell us about that, who you're with, and everything as you're getting prepared for the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, I'm out here at uh, Built For It and Prosper. Then I got on Keon and uh, Jared Verse. They over at Sports Academy, probably like five minutes from me. I be seeing them all the time. Is it nice being able to chop it up also with those guys? I mean, I don't know how it went from after. What, what was your transition from after being in Tallahassee and then now going over to what you're doing now, training? Like, how what, what have you been up to? Now, I can definitely say, okay, so in Dallas, it's been kind of, like, cold, like, super cold, like, here. Like, it was, like, nine degrees. You know, I've been in Florida, like, the last four years. So, like, snow, like, that was never, like, a thing. So, like, I've been I've been down here, and i seen snow, and it was just, like, man, like, all right, okay. So, like, every day I wake up, I work out at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning. And it's always, like, either 7 degrees. One day it was 4 degrees. One time it was negative 3 degrees. So, like, every day you wait, you come to your car, you never know what you're going to see. But it's been fun, though. I mean, we train indoors. So like, the whole process has been fun. I'm learning a lot, learning a lot about my body, how to take how to take care of it better. 
you know, just being out here with Kia and Jerry versus like, I'm kind of out here with like my brother still. So, I mean, it's been a fun process. Outside of the weather, um, how excited and how fun has it been to uh, prepare for the Shrine Bowl? You're talking about, you know, before we started, you're going to be reporting tomorrow. And you know, how excited are you for that opportunity to practice and then get a chance to play in that game? Nah, I'm very excited for the opportunity to play in this game because we get to show everybody. You know, I'm I'm not in it by myself. I'm in it with uh, Renato Green, uh, Kalen Deloach, uh, Fabian Lovett, uh, Jay Trav. He's in it too, so it's kind of like I'm not in it by myself. So it's kind of like I'm just ready to show them that we went to Florida State. So I was like, you know, like the standard of Florida State is different. So. Is Verse still talking trash? Because uh, I saw today he posted on Twitter of him. He supposedly did one-on-one with Keon. Uh, <laughs> I think he talks more now than he did when we were in season. Uh-oh. There's no way. <laughs> no, I, I'm not too shocked by that. But <laughs> how, uh, how much are you looking forward to getting to the combine? We were talking in the production meeting, and you said you're feeling good, body's feeling good, but you still got a lot of prep ahead. But mm-hmm. whenever you're looking forward to the uh, going to your pro day, then also to – and you can – Talk about it too here. I don't know if it's been shared anywhere, but uh, about the combine as well. How how you feeling about that prep? Uh, I'm very excited. You know, it's one of those things that you dreamed about, like when you were younger. Like just, you know, the old man used to have the combine on there. You get to do all the drills at the combine and stuff like that. So like Mm -hmm. actually being in it and not being that kid, like watching it on TV, like it's kind of a shock. And I wouldn't say a shock, but it's kind of like, dang, like, I'm doing like I'm living what I always wanted to do. So, I mean, it's a blessing for sure. And then I'm not going to, again, I'm in it with some of the players from Florida State, some of my brothers. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of what I'm trained for. It's kind of what I'm built for. So, I mean, it's just fun, though. You're in training and also the guys still back in Tallahassee are training. The the tour of duty started <laughs> last Friday. Yeah. So I figure now's the best time to ask you. You know, you were in it for a couple of years. What was that experience like? And, how how tough is it really being out there in those workouts? And are you missing it? No, I definitely don't miss it at all. But tour duty is dead serious. Like, but it, but everything that you see during the season from us, like as a team, the resiliency, the like, the dog mentality, the finish mentality—that's where all of that came from. It's deeply rooted in that. Like tour duty, as crazy as it seems, and as crazy as it is doing it, like it's definitely needed. Like, I, I definitely see that definitely molded the identity of our team. So, like, I feel for them boys going through it because when you when you first walk in, you see the ambulance sitting at the end of the facility. you like, man, what am I walking into? Like, you know what? <laughs> and it's like, man, like, you never know what's going to happen in there. And then I heard this year they changed some of the drills, though, so it's probably even worse than when I was doing it. And so, man, and then the standard of what the season was just now, I know he came because no really came like on crazier stuff what is uh being with storms like because not only you're going through tour of duty but you've got your strength and conditioning stuff going on in the weight room but what is coach storms like i think a lot of fans are always interested in hearing what he is behind the scenes exactly what you see on instagram with him like lifting all the crazy weights and like ah like oh that's him (laughs) like that is him to the t every day when he wake up in the morning he eat sleep breathe weights but Mm -hmm. There's not a thing in the world he won't do for you. Like, he's intense. That's definitely what he is every day. But, like, I look at him as almost like that, like, like that role model of a person that you strive to be like. Like, he just, he does everything right. Like, he can get you through your day. Like, if you, you can call Coach Stones about anything and he's going to give you the 
right information. He's going to give you the right advice. It, I ain't going to lie. I don't have nothing. Like, Coach Stones is like your model citizen of what it's to be. He's just insane. But, like, he's your model citizen. To kind of add to that, what's it like uh, picking up that sledgehammer and getting a chance to swing it down and break those rocks after some of those games? It's way heavier than it looks. But but doing stuff like oh. that with the team and you got the team around you and coming off a game and you just had a great game and they picked you to break the helmet, it's just I don't think it get no bigger than that. Like that's probably one of the one of the things I fell in love most with at Florida State, especially this last year, because I broke it a couple like a lot of times. So I mean that's just I don't I, I ain't gonna lie, I love Florida State, everything that comes with Florida State. So I mean breaking a rod, that's that's the real to me. Yeah, because I want to talk about that your love for Florida state. And I want to bring it all the way back to your recruitment and going through the transfer portal to Mike Norvell. What got you into trusting Mike Norvell and that staff and going to Florida state? I had, um, so when I was in high school, nobody knows this story, right? Okay. So coach Norvell actually recruited me. He was at Memphis to play receiver. <laughs> he wanted me to play offense. So when he came to the school, he was walking the hall and they got me out of class. I came out, Talked to him. He told me, yeah, I had an offer in Memphis. And it was kind of like, I kind of told him, like, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I know. Like, it's not going like, to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm an under all American at the time, you know, I'm like 16. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm feeling myself. It's like, man, like, come on, man, Memphis, come on, guy. Like, no way you think, like, I'm going to Memphis, guy. Like, what are we talking about? And so then, like, it's crazy how <laughs> how life comes full circle. Because when he got in the port, when I got in the portal and he was recruiting me. It was kind of like I already knew what I was getting with him. Like, and I got, I had some friends that went to Memphis and played for him. It's like I already had a relationship with him. And then Coach Marv, he's coached at Mississippi State my freshman year, and he came here as a linebacker's coach. So that made the transition even easier. Like, it was more of a, like, okay, I, I understand what I'm getting at. So, like, when I committed to Ole Miss out of the portal, I was going because, you know, Terrell Buckley, he was my DB coach my freshman year at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, things went on. They went, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't, I couldn't get the old Miss. They just wouldn't, that just wouldn't happen. They weren't letting that go on. And so Florida State just felt like the easiest and the best transition. And I knew Coach Norvell, how he was at Memphis and how he had that program. Mm-hmm. And I knew with Florida State and as big as Florida State was, the brand of Florida State, the traditions and everything, I knew what he would be able to come in and do. I didn't know how long it would take. I definitely didn't know that. I didn't know it would end up being my year four being with him, but he turned it around and I I, I feel like it was the best decision I ever made in my life. It changed the trajectory of my life. So, I mean, I'm forever indebted to Florida State. Like, I'm living and dying by Florida State. I was just about to bring up T Buck. Obviously, spent one year with him at Mississippi State, one of the best to ever do it at Florida State. What was he like as a coach? Man, I almost look at him as like a father figure. Like, he used to, okay, I'll put it like this. And this is him. Day like a day before the game. You want to know what we watch before we get ready to leave? He pulls up his highlights. It's probably like thirteen minutes long. We watch it like four times. He just didn't play his highlights. He like he was like, if you play like this, you gonna make a lot of money. And that's it. That's boom. That's it. But he had a rule that you're not getting in the game if you don't have no lotion on. Like you're ashy, he's not putting you in the game. If you don't have a haircut, you're not getting in the game. If you get bombed, he's going to tell you, keep on running all the way out the stadium, all the way to the locker room, just take your pads off because you're no longer playing today. 
But like that was just him. Like that was just like his playful personality. But he was dead serious though. He wasn't playing, but he was dead serious. But that's just him. Like I almost, I, he really kept me in football for it because a lot of things were going on when I was in Mississippi State, and I, I was at a point where I was just like, man, I don't, like I really don't want to do this. It's so like he kind of kept me, and I still talk to him every day to this day. Like he's almost like he's really like a father figure to me. So yeah, that's what T Buck is. When you made that decision to uh, transfer to FSU, you know, you and Fabian Lovett obviously came in together. Was that something that you guys planned or did it just kind of work out that way? Now, we planned to go to Ole Miss together. That was the plan. <laughs> that was the plan to go to Ole Miss together. And then, like I said, stuff happened. So when we first got to Florida State, I remember like it was yesterday, Coach Norvell came. So I didn't know nothing about Coach Fuller. Adam Fuller, I didn't know nothing about him. I didn't know Coach Woodson like that. My last memory of Coach Woodson was when I was in high school, he wanted me to come take a visit to Auburn. I told him I was going to play 707. I guess that kind of rubbed him the wrong way. He was like, how are you going to do 707 over like? So I, that was my last memory of him. So when I got to Florida State, me and Fable were sitting in the room together. And Coach Novell walks in, Coach Fuller walks in. And we we just sitting there talking. I could just remember like when they left out because Coach Cause Norvell was as intense as he is every day. Like my first reaction with him, with him coming in, me and Faber just look at each other like, "Bro, what did we just do? Like, <laughs> what are we doing?" And so, like, the, nobody knows. But the first month that I was, that me and Faber were at Florida State, we didn't even leave the room. Like, we didn't leave the room. We didn't go to the work. We didn't do nothing. Like, cause in our mind, we were like, "Bro, what are we doing? Like, we have to find a way to get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, we just kind of like fell in love with everything that was going on and adapted, and it ended up becoming the best decisions we ever made. You think that's something unique about Norvell? Like, you know, it's going to take a lot of work, and you know, you've also got Coach Storms there. But you know, just after a while, you get used to—not even get used to—you fall in love with the process that yeah. Norvell delivers for you guys. Yeah, I um, man, I ain't gonna lie. I don't even think it's enough words I can say about. Coach Norvell, I mean, he really pushed me to limits I never thought I'd be able to reach. Like, it was a time period in practice where every day he would just walk up to me and, and say I was mediocre. And so, like, me and him had, like, this we, – we got, like, a crazy relationship. He's almost like my best friend. Like, we got, like, crazy relationship. So, like, when he would say that, he knew it would kind of, like, make me mad. Like, take me to a point to where he knew, like, he's going to get everything out of me. But, like, I mean – I ain't gonna lie, Coach Novell was probably like one of the best things that happened in my life. To like, he did everything for me. Like, he did a lot for me, a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Like, he had my back when nobody had my back. Like, he was always there. Like, and being 17, when you see that type of intensity from him, if you don't really love football, you're not gonna rock with it. But like, in my mind, when I first seen him, I was like, bro, this man be tripping. But then as it goes on, as it goes on, you start to understand, you're like, he's a genius. Like, he is a freaking genius. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to get the best out of his players. And he cares for his players. Like, what you see with him is exactly what you get. So, like, I don't even have – I can't even put in the words what, for, uh, what Coach Norvell mean to me. Like, that, he, he did it for me. You kind of talked about it, but you and Fabian were a little unsure when you got to Florida State. Do you remember – the moment maybe when you guys started buying in because obviously you know when you you guys now leave in Tallahassee a couple couple weeks ago or a month ago you mm -hmm. both left as two huge leaders and two huge playmakers on the field uh 
I can honestly say the buy-in maybe came like a year after I got there, a year and a half after I got there. Because I, I remember the first year, that COVID year, that was just a blur. Like, it was just so much going on, like, so much behind the scenes going on that that was so far out of our control that we couldn't do anything about. So, like, my first year at Florida State, I really don't even count that as a – like, you count it as a yeah. year, but it's kind of like, it's just like, hey, man, that was just, hey, man. I think that year was rough for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, everyone personally, yeah. That 2021 year, I would say after we played on – like, after we lost to Jacksonville State, like, that crushed me. Like, that crushed me so bad. So, like, I kind of just seen myself, like, just, like, going to the room and just – thing and like that uh, that hurt me though like that shit hurt me dog I ain't gonna lie so I just I just could see like from that moment on I could kind of see like the transitions of stuff going on you know we saw people leave from Florida State new people come in and like you kind of see like that one percent everybody talks about like I could kind of see it slowly but slowly like changing and then we come back to that 2022 year I think that's the season we start off 4-0 we started off one like we were hot. Mm-hmm. And then that, when, after we lost that three straight, it was on. We figured out how to win. Like, we understood what it took, and we started to trust the process of what this is and what it takes to actually win. It was kind of hard at first because we're doing everything you say do, but we're still losing. So now it's kind of like, how like how are we supposed to trust the, press the, trust the process if it ain't working? So, like, we just – I think we just – as a team, had a, we talked to each other. We just kind of went, said, we're just going to go all in. Whatever happens is going to happen. So I think we just went all in. That's when we started to see the leaf turn and see everything change. I, it's one story I remember. Me and Renato Green, we sat at the uh, gas station right up the street from Champs. I pulled mm-hmm. up to put some gas in my car. He was already there to put some gas in his car. We just sit there. We sat at the gas station and talked for three hours about just like, Bro, we got to do something. We got to turn this around. Like, it was, it was a talk to like, bro, should we leave? Like, what do we need to do? Like, we won't even know what it is. And I, I think that day was like big for us. I think that kind of changed a lot for us. I think that's massive right there. You and Renato have a really close relationship. How did that build between y'all two? I've loved his play. I've been highly respectable of him since um, years and years ago. And just to see his position change, and he goes down to being a lockdown corner. Not a lot of people talk about corners sometimes because sometimes if they have quiet nights or quiet days, they're doing their job right. But tell us about Renato Green. I'm a best friend. Like, that's like like seven and eight. That's like. That's like my, that's my role, dog. Like, you know what I'm saying? I call that dude. I'm like, but let's go do this. He's like, come on. Like, don't nobody know. Like, nobody knows what we actually put into this. Like, no, they just see, like, they say the turnaround or, like, the, you know what I'm saying? They say most improved or whatever. But, like, they just never got, they never knew what we put into it. Like, 2021, I think he was hurt. He messed his foot up. 2022, he was trying to come back from him, But nobody knows what he actually put into it trying to do it, like trying to come back. Nobody knows what he went through mentally. They definitely know what he went through physically trying to come back. And so I I, I definitely, I don't, I think he's top five corners in the country. If not, wait, like I definitely think he's up there because he did everything the right way. He wasn't a big talker. He wasn't like, you know what I'm saying? He ain't one of them guys, but like he put the work in and it showed. It definitely showed. Like I became cool with him like we wouldn't even, when I first got here, me and him, like, I just see him. He wasn't talking. 
he'll see me. I was talking. And it would just be like, hey, what up? It was just like, hey, what up, cuz? And that was it. Like, that was the relationship at first. But, like, the more we started talking, the more we started understanding each other's story, what made each what made each other go, like, our wives, what made him click, what made me click. It was just like, bro, we kind of the same person. I just talk way more to you. And so then I think we just kind of, like, build a relationship, and it's just, that's just it what it is. Like, that's my best friend. Like, I literally was just talking to him right before we got on this. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I wanted to ask, um, before your final season, Florida State obviously made a change um, in the defensive backfield, decided to bring on coach uh, Pat Sertan. What was it like playing for him this past year? And, you know, maybe how was it different from playing under Coach Woodson previously? I would just say that Coach Pat, Coach Pat has been there and he's done it. And he has a son that is doing it at a very high level. So yeah. let's I wouldn't say it makes it easier to listen to him, but like he's been there and done it. So it's kind of like when he tells you this, it's like you have to believe it. You have like you have no reason of why you should not believe it. And the way he is, like I don't know if y'all have had a conversation with him, but he's very like he talks with some conviction. Like he talked like with very strong, like, like you can see the personality in him. So like when we get on the board and he's talking ball, like he's talking ball as if like he's like our homeboy, like he's like trying to put us on game, like 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 a big brother, like hey bro, you gotta do it like this, bro. It's gonna work, bro. I'm telling you, like he gives that. So like you can see he get all the recruits, everybody just wants to play for him because like he's like a player coach and he knows ball, like a guru of ball. And I it don't get no better than Coach Pat. Like I, I ain't gonna lie, I see, I, I see a lot of DB coaches in the world, but like I don't really think he get no better than Coach Pat. I feel like. He was a very, like, big focal point of that season we just had last year. I feel like that was, like, a home run type hire. I feel like that was exactly what we needed. Like, that was a splash that we needed. Like, I ain't going to lie. That boy, like, he one of the ones for me. Like, I still talk. He just texted me right before this. That's awesome, man. Him still staying so close and connected. And I feel like that marinates, and it did marinate over to this last season because you saw the growth from not only you guys, too, but – these youngsters, man, who I think a lot of FSU fans are excited to get to know more of and see more playing out of. Definitely with uh, Azari Thomas coming out. I mean, got a big season ahead for him. He's moving over. He's moving over to Bernardo's number, number eight. He's going to be Loco Ocho. Um, and then he's, yeah, he's got a handful of a handful of other guys, too, that are got so much talent that I think Mike Norvell and Adam Fuller put out there early on to just to kind of rely on. And they did in some of these games. Tell us a little bit about that, that younger defensive back room uh, going into this 2024 season. I think the world of Azaria, I feel like Azaria has it. Like from a young age, I seen when he came in, like he just had that it about him. Like he, he definitely has, you could tell he had some brothers that played football before him that kind of put him on game when he was young. Like I definitely think the world of him, him and, and uh, Quindarius, I think once it clicked for him, like, he didn't have as much, you know, we come from Mississippi, so we, it ain't really nothing else. So he didn't really have that really no coaching growing up. He was just a big, long athlete. He can run, he can jump, he can catch, he can do all that, but didn't know what it took to actually become great. Like, that process I was telling you about with Coach Norville, he didn't understand that. Like, he just grew up, I'm bigger than everybody, I'm faster than everybody, I jump higher than everybody, I'm better than everybody. That's just really what he lived by, so. Now you can see that he's starting to turn that leaf of understanding what he has to put into it to get out what he wants. And so, I mean, we got a good young group like Conrad Hussey. He's going to be yeah. one of the ones. He's 
best safety. He gonna when he comes out, he's gonna be the best safety in college football. Like we got some young guys, Edwin, and he messed his shoulder, but he's one of them ones. Like we brought in Charles, Kyle Bates, Jamari Howard. Like we got some real like it's bad. Like DBU is taking form. Like, you know what I'm saying? I just not to say me and Renardo were like the starters of it coming back, but like I definitely feel like when Coach Pat came, that leaf turned into being something special. So that young group, I feel like they got some. I want to lead you into this question here from YouTube. Got a got a donation here, five bucks. But asking you, great watching you play. Do you feel like you're a nickel, or you can play boundary or field? Uh, What's your take on that? I honestly feel like I could play all five positions in the backfield: safety, corner, and nickel. But funny story, for so me, my transition to nickel happened. Okay, so we I don't know if people remember we played when we played Florida in 2022. That game, I had, like, a big game. I think I had two sacks, a PBU, a pick, and all that. But they lined up in a lot of 12 personnel, so the corner had to be over. So it put me being in the slot a lot. And so, like, with that, it came with me having a blitz on and me being in coverage on, you know, me doing a lot. It just showed my my full skill set. And so after the game, man, me and Coach Fuller had a conversation. He was like, he like, we got to get you more involved. Like, we got to get you doing a lot more, like, what you think about going down to nickel? I like I'm not opposed to it. Like I, I'm kind of football smart, so I kind of understood what everybody in the city is supposed to do. Like I say, with the linebackers, D line, everybody's supposed to do. So when he presented it to me, like I didn't have no problem. Like, I was just like, hey, you want to go play nickel? Cool. So like in the spring, I lined up at corner most of the time, but I went to nickels for like one on ones. I may get two plays at nickel throughout the whole day. Like you know what I'm saying? It just went like that. But when we got to the season. I was at corner for fall camp, and then yeah, I heard, you know what I'm saying, talks like, hey, you may go to nickel, you may do this, you may do this, because we ain't got Fentrell. So it kind of was lining up for like, yeah, we're going to move you to nickel, but it never played. I wasn't practicing it or nothing like that. I just was studying it, and I may get some reps in one-on-ones. So like, I I think I know I messed my hand up in fall camp, so I didn't practice for like two weeks leading up into the game, the first game. So like, the week before the first game or two weeks before the first game, my hand was still broke. I'm still not pressing. They were like, yeah, we you gonna you gonna play a lot of nickel. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move to nickel. I lay like, cool, man. I ain't tripping. You know what I'm saying? You gonna put me in nickel? I ain't tripping. And I moved to nickel and it just I I was able to put my full skill set on display. So it kind of worked out. And I always used to play with them like, hey man, y'all might always put me in nickel. They'd be like, nah, nah, we're gonna keep you at corner. And so okay, it's funny how it worked out, me going to nickel. Yeah. And it, it definitely worked out because you ended up being, you know, one of the best players in the country at that position. How big was it for you each week to be able to practice against some other guys that are going to be going to the NFL and Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman? I feel like it prepared me for everything I, I could even see in the game. Because I knew whatever I was getting in a game, like I've seen way better in practice. Not saying that anybody I've seen was sorry, but it was like, come on, man, I'm going against Keon and Johnny every day. When yeah, I go into the man. slot, I got to go see Ja'Kai Douglas in the slot. They even may, may put Keon in the slot. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I was saying everybody, everything you could possibly think about. So it's kind of like, man, it's just like, like what what are you going to do to me that I haven't seen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday morning? Like, I've seen it all. So, I mean, and then me being at Nickel and you talking about, well, I got Trey Benson in the backfield. Yeah, you got to come make up tackles too. 
So it's kind of like, what am I not seeing? I got a quarterback that can throw and run. It was up for the Heisman. So it's kind of like practice was the game. Like exactly how Norvell used to make it seem like how you practice, how you're going to play. Well, I had NFL practices every day. So what do you think I'm going to do in the game? Like it's just going to translate even better. We went into games. I was confident in everything I was doing. I knew nobody could run past me because I've seen speed every day. Jakai Doug, I see that every morning at 7 o'clock in the morning for Team Tempo. I see that at 7 o'clock in the morning every day. I knew nobody was going to run past me. I knew nobody was going to bully me. I see Johnny Wilson every day. He's 6'7", 240 pounds. I see that every day. I knew nobody was going to run a better route than people. I, was, I saw Keon every day. Route runner. I see that every day. Or you want somebody to jump up, catch balls over your head. I see Troy every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. Yeah. Like, I saw everything that I was going to see in a game. So we just win this game constantly and everything we were doing. I want to jump into this season, of course. And uh, it, it was a lot that y'all had to deal with. It, it was ups, a whole lot of ups, crazy ups, and then downs. And uh, I just kind of want to jump over to just y'all as a defense as a whole. You know, you lose Jordan Travis and, and dramatic and, and awful kind of scenario there against North Alabama, a game where, you know, you're expecting to – when and you know you get your starters out early and you're trying to stay healthy as you get ready for your robbery game against UF and you know, might go to the ACC championship but you know take us through the defensive mindset from this year because I think we as 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 fans too we look at the offense a lot and you know Mike Norvell he's the offensive minded coach and that there's tons tons and tons of talent there offensively but this defense was dominating <laughs> throughout the entire season, Jarian. It was absolutely dominating, and that's where, too, was the biggest argument, and we'll talk about it with the college football playoff snub, but that was the biggest argument. Florida State's defense is legit. It, it's real. It's elite, and it can go compete with these four teams that are in the college football playoffs. They can shut them down if need be. Tell us about that defensive mindset that y'all ran through all throughout the season, definitely, too, when Jordan Travis went down. I think you just saw on the display, you just saw – a band of brothers that would do anything for each other, that loved each mm-hmm. other, that were ready, that would play with a ass on fire, balls to the wall for each other. We had a thing, Coach Novera brought it to it in the 2022 season, where if you see us start doing this, just know it is on. It is on and popping. Just know it's about to go down. If you see us doing this, it's about to go down. And that just talks about when we do this, it's that heart. Like just playing with that heart and just knowing that. I'll do anything in this game for you. I'm willing to die here for you. Right now. Right now, today. It's going down about you. And that's what we would say in those huddles. Y'all would see us getting those huddles. You would just see each other going around, punch each other on the chest, punch each other on the chest. Like, come on. It's, it's that time. When J. Trav went down, I think you kind of just saw that time two. Like, time ten, actually. You saw it just, like, on a larger scale. Because we knew, like, we know our offense is good. We had – Complete faith in Tate. We had complete faith in Brock. We knew that they they can get it done. But our mindset was, okay, Jay Travis hurt. If they don't score, they don't win. Regardless how much we score, whatever. If we score, that's just a plus. But if they don't score, they don't win. And that was our mindset. If they don't get in the end zone, we're going to win. Hey, simple. Like, that's so easy. That's the easiest match possible. So, that's I think that's kind of what we played by. Like, you just saw everyone on that defense, we loved each other. Like, Complete love, like like a real love, like a real brotherhood. Like that's what one thing I can say. Like we had a real brotherhood. Like it ain't nothing in the world I wouldn't have did for them. And I know they would have did the same for me. You I think you really saw that too whenever y'all were up in Charlotte. Like that was that was <laughs> wild to watch, man. Like I understand a lot of 
like, you know, college football fans, they want to watch offense. They want to see some big plays being made offensively. But if you want, if you love watching defense, that was just a great game to watch. Yeah. That, that was really fun. For you, uh, Jarian, I mean, so many incredible games this past season, so many times that you guys, you know, it looked like maybe you were down for the count, but then you came back, responded from the adversity and pulled out the win. Um, looking back at this season, you know, what were some of your favorite games to play in out there? Uh, I would definitely say, because this is my first time playing at Florida in the nighttime. Now, mm-hmm. being down there, I always knew we were going to win. That was never now. That was never a thought. Like, I knew we were going to win. But just being down there and seeing what everybody talks about, like, with the swamp. And, you know, we were down at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And just seeing, like, the crowd and everything going on and me looking to my brother on the sideline, and he completely unfazed by anything going on. And I'm looking at this, like, this is my first time playing at Florida. I'm like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> and, like, my partners over here, they like, 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 ain't nothing going on. I look. Yeah, like ain't nothing going on. I look at Coach Norvell, he just like, I'm like, oh, yo, about to, oh, it's like, come on, man. Let's see what it is then. So, like, that was definitely a moment for me. Like, I think about that all the time. Like, that was definitely a moment. And then playing LSU, the first game, that was like a moment for me. Like, I was coming back from an injury and just seeing Keon do what he was doing that game. I saw Jay Trav doing what he was doing. I saw Lil Rod run a dude over, like, that was like a moment where it was just like boom, 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 boom. Like you saw everybody just clicking. Like those are moments I love. Like just seeing everybody clicking. Like the young guys clicking. Like everybody, even not not third string. Like that's kind of bad to say, but like you know, like it's about third string, second string players like doing what they do. Like that's fun to me. Like seeing the work that you put in through the week, and then seeing you get in the game and we turning up. Like come on, man, that's like it don't get no better than that. And then Clemson. That was a moment for me because I went down that game with a concussion. I think I left in the third quarter. And so they don't even know. They telling me, I mean, they telling me not to watch the game, not to listen. Somebody, you might have a concussion, this, that. Man, man, come on, man. I'm watching the game. When Keon scored, <laughs> I ran, like, I ran through the tone. Like, I ran through the tone about to go on the field. They're like, nah, you can't do that. But I was just like, I was just so turned. Like, you can't tell somebody not to do that. We just won, man. What you talking about? We. At Clemson, I think that's the last time we won at Clemson was like nine years. I'm like, bro, come on, man. You think I'm not finna turn up, bro? Come on, bro. How, how mad were y'all's defense with that personal foul call against Florida on a came down in the first quarter? Bro, we were like, bro, what you want mm. to do? Like, are we playing seven on seven or are we playing football? Yeah. Yeah, we were hot by that, though. And that was a perfectly called play, too. Like, that was a play we have been working all week. Like, that was a perfectly called play. How how disciplined is Mike Norvell on the sideline? Because we can see him animated. What's what's coming out of his mouth? Uh, is it available? Uh, um, so he gets on us pretty hard through the week and practice. But like in the game setting, he tries not to ever like scream at us, yell at us, or anything like because he tries to keep us here. Like he never wants to bring us down or anything like that. So I mean, he's definitely calm. Until the ref made like a bad call or something like that, and you mm-hmm. kind of see him like you kind of see what we see through the week. Like he start booting up, so, like he and he always say, "Don't let me talk to real." I feel like, "Don't I'm, you don't talk to real? Let me talk to real because I'm gonna cuss their ass out." <laughs> <laughs> nah, oh, yeah. he was saying something that Florida game. Oh, oh he my be snapping. God. He be snapping for sure. He a real game. He be snapping for sure. <laughs> 
Go ahead, D-Lou. Um, hey, we have to ask you this question, Jarian, but can you just take us through, you know, your feelings, your thoughts, and how it felt in the aftermath of, obviously, the historic college football playoffs snub <laughs> and, I mean, something that I'm sure, I mean, everyone in Tallahassee and people across the country agree was egregious and shouldn't have happened. Man, that was wild. That was like an – I was kind of like, when it happened, because I think when I was when we were watching, when we had a little watch party and we were watching it, like I knew like if we didn't come in at two, we were definitely coming in at three. So when they put three and it wasn't us, like I just felt like I just went like numb. Like I knew we weren't getting in. Like I just felt kind of like numb. It kind of like puts you in a sense of like, so like what else are you supposed to do? So what is football really actually about? So like what like what what is this really about? Like what does y'all really want us to do? Because I always was told like this is how I think about football. Like if my if my so my quarterback got hurt, we still went out of one. Okay, so what you're saying is if we would have like what were we were supposed to do? Like if our quarterback getting hurt, like that really didn't mean like it means a lot because that's their trap. But like, come on, bro. Like we won, bro. Like. What's like when do you get penalized for winning? Like I thought that was the name of the game was you win, you're in. Like I always thought that was, you know what I'm saying, the name of the game. And for us to go beat Louisville, the number 13 team in the country, like yeah. and beat them and they didn't score one touchdown, that should have just I think that should have been the exclamation point of yes, they're in. And so when they didn't do that, I, I could just kind of feel the energy of the team just kind of like wash down the drain. Almost like letting the water out of the tub, like just like I just kind of got bad, and so my mindset was like, "Fuck college football!" Like I, I was like, "Shit, college football want to do this to me?" Like, like this is scripted. Like, uh, like they already knew what they wanted to do with them boy. Like they knew they were gonna put them in. So like, what was our purpose to this? Like, you feel me? So I, I ain't gonna lie. I kind of, I don't really. I look at college football a lot different. Like it's not even the same for me. It's not the same football I grew up watching. Like. It's not the same for me. And I don't respect college football. Like, I would never, ever respect college football again because nobody and, – and after we beat Oklahoma and coming back that next week and starting tour of duty, our motto was January to January. We knew we were going to the playoff. Like, there was never a doubt about the playoff. When we went to that watch party, it was never a doubt if we were going to be in the playoff. It was who are we playing. That's what we were trying to see, who we were playing. And to not put us in, like – I kind of just felt like that was the end of the road for me. Like, that was the end of, like, my college journey. Like, this is what this is. Like, okay, I'm on to the next step. Like, that was just – I mean, they did what they did, so it's kind of like, man, I mean, I ain't got nothing left to give, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was – you could tell from y'all's mentality, I'd be filming you after games, and, yeah, you'd be celebrating a little bit, but you say, on to the next, always, because that was always, all right, we just beat you those four quarters, but now it's preparing for the next week and staying healthy, going to the training room and everything. But that was just the mentality of this team and, you know, from yeah. the coaching staff down to the trainers to you guys, everybody involved, it was just all about next week. Yeah, you won the ACC championship, but y'all were telling us down there on the field, we're, we're on to this – we're on to, you know, whoever we're going to face in the college football playoff. And, oh. you know, it was it was gutting to you guys. Y'all, we know how much work y'all put in. And it's not easy. It is not easy, and I want nothing to do with it. It's easy for us just to sit there and take a couple pictures of y'all walking in <laughs> and get yeah. shots of you guys. But it's absolute hell what y'all have to go through, not just through tour duty, off-season workouts, but then going through practices. It's, yeah. it's what, one break during a practice for like five minutes? 
You better hope you get that break. Because <laughs> when he caught, when he blow the whistle, and he say, walk over to the to the snacks and the break, he starts to, like, he start to break when he blow the whistle. So, like, all that time you take to get to the water and drink it and all that, the clock is still rolling. You feel me? So, like, he don't really play no games with that. Like, break. Like, what? All right. 25 <laughs> period. Every day, boy. You better get it, boy. Nah. And he's letting you know three minutes to go, two minutes. Y'all better start jogging. I mean, 30 seconds. You got a quick break. Next drill. If you're not at the drill at the 30 seconds, up down, get on top. I'm telling you, he ain't playing. That man not playing. For real. Uh, I'm, at least on a, on a like more happy stuff here. I got a question for you. We ask this to every guest that comes on, but what's your favorite? food spot in Tallahassee you've been there for quite a few years now so I know you've got if you got one or you've got a top three you got a handful uh-huh. lay them out but I know you got have a, a few of them now it's, it's called DNG's. it's like a Caribbean spot mm, okay my favorite thing to get there is the oxtails like I, I, I'm a die by some oxtails like I'm I, I'm living and dying by them oxtails for real like I, I love oxtails I eat oxtails a lot if I ain't eat that, it was Marco's Pizza. Marco's <laughs> Pizza was up there for me. I ate Marco's Pizza a lot. Then next, Raising Canes. I ate Raising Canes a lot. Mm-hmm. And then other than those three, it was more like Wendy's, McDonald's, the food they gave us at the facility, like stuff like that. But if I ate on my own and I wanted like, if I told myself, I'm going to eat good tonight, I'm going to D&G's. Hell yeah. That sounds <laughs> good. That does sound good. <laughs> You kind of uh, talked about your experience playing at Florida earlier in the show. Um, looking back on these rivalries, you know, playing the Gators, playing Miami every year, you know, you're going to leave Tallahassee a two-game winning streak against Florida, three-game winning streak against Miami. Um, when you look back at those games, you know, which team did you like competing against more? You know, which one did you dislike the most? I ain't gonna lie, I hate both of them with a pass. Like, I can get down by any one of them. Both of them, both of them, don't know about their business, but – yeah, if I could say one I like playing the most, I would say Miami. Like when we played Florida, it was kind of like they didn't even want to be there. Like they couldn't even believe they were playing us. But like when we played Miami, it was kind of like they came out there talking crazy, you know, doing all that. Them the games I like to play. Like when they got there talking crazy, like doing all the extra stuff after the play. Them the fun games I like to play in. Cause then it's like this is a rivalry game. When we played Florida, it was just like. Like, brother, y'all boy want to play for real? Like, y'all got up on us, but, like, we was tripping. Y'all boys just blew us out when we was tripping. But the fact <laughs> y'all let us come, I know y'all don't want to play, man. Y'all don't really want to play. Like, before the game, when they walked on the field, in the rain, we standing there in the rain with everybody their headphones on, watching them walk on the field. And I could just see it in their eyes, like, but these boys do not want to be here. <laughs> so, I, and I guess it kind of showed. Like, y'all was up on us, like, 12, 13. Come on, man. Y'all put blew us out, but you didn't. So I definitely feel like playing Miami was better. Like that was more fun. Both of them was sorry to me. But <laughs> Jaren, I feel like fun, I, I feel like uh I'm always watching you on the field and I'm having to see multiple teammates of yours have to pull you back. And you've already said on here, yeah, you are the talker. Is there anybody else that was a bigger talker than you uh on the field? Other than other than verse. You listen, I'm gonna tell you something. You gotta watch. Y'all may not know it, but Renato Duda, he be tripping out there. You gotta but he be tripping. He be tripping bad out there. 
Like he'd be he talking doing? so crazy. Like he would say some stuff, you'd be like, whoa, like, boy, your mind is so far gone. Like, <laughs> like, like when he go out there, he really just see like, you know how people say that I just see red. Like he that's him literally, like see red, like see ball, get ball, kill ball. Like he got this thing, he say like catch the hat. And so he be out there on some like, I'm gonna catch me a hat today. Like he be tripping, I'm telling you, he be tripping, but that dude you know. <laughs> So, uh, go ahead, Dustin. It's been a, it was a long career for you in Tallahassee, you know, some, some ups, some downs, uh, since you arrived in 2020, when you look back on your career at Florida state, you know, what are some memories that you're really going to cherish, you know, either on or off the field? It's probably a lot, but so many, <laughs> it's so many, but I ain't gonna lie. Winning the ACC championship. I, I feel like, that was a moment that just set everything in stone. It kind of like, it kind of stamped the whole four years of me being there, everything that happened transpired, and I went through being at Florida State. Like, I got this, the picture is my background save on my phone. Nervelle holding a trophy up, and I'm just standing beside him. Got Fable standing beside him. Renardo, his daughter. Like, it was, like Jay Travis up there, like, all the guys that I've been doing it with these whole four years. So that was kind of like, that was like a surreal moment for me. It was kind of like, man, like we did it. Like we said we were going to bring Florida State back and we did it. Like it took four years, but like you don't know what the process is going to be like and look like. So like it was kind of like, man, like we did it. Like if I could point out one moment, that was just like the most surreal moment because it kind of brought everything back full circle for me. I've only got just like two more left and appreciate you staying on here a little bit longer, but this has been a phenomenal interview and the chat Mm -hmm. is Loving every bit of it. <laughs> uh, and if any, if anybody has any questions real quick, just jump them in here. But uh, for you, what do you see in this FSU team moving forward? Because it seems like Mike Norvell's might be a little pissed off after that college football playoff snub. And he's going out and grabbing everybody. Got a lot of Bama boys coming in. We were talking about Earl Little uh, Jr. too coming in. You're really excited about having him come in and play for Coach Sertan. Uh, what do you think this future holds for Florida State? Because I think right now, yeah, that 2023 season, there was that high expectation of reaching the college football playoffs. But, you know, now maybe 2024 isn't that expectation, but maybe yeah. are people sleeping on that? Should Florida State, you know, it's a 12-team playoff too, worth mentioning yeah. next year. The wrong Norville that you want to see is the pissed-off Norville. So now I think people are starting to see, like, he's hitting the, like, he's hitting the recruiting hard. He's bringing in guys that are ready to play right now. There's not – I know people see the 2023 season we just had, and it's like, there's got to be a drop-off. Like, But, no, we all we did was set the standard for what's coming, like what's supposed to be coming next. So, like, there is no – there is no – like, this is four states. That there is no drop-off. There is no – like, we don't even believe in that. We just believe in work, and then work works. So, we believe if we put the work in, we're going to get the results. We put ourselves in the best position to win. And so – him going out and bringing in the players, like I think for State, like I feel like the standard is the standard. And so I feel like the expectation is what the expectation was. And what the expectation was to be our best. And so I feel like they're gonna go out and be their best. Like I'm excited to see Earl Little come in and do what he does. Like, I definitely feel like he was the perfect person to with all the attributes to come in and play the position that I play. I feel like he was a like that was a home run person to go get to do it. So I honestly feel like yeah, like the expectation for us to win and not win yesterday, win now. So 
that's what it is. I feel like it's going to be exactly like the standards of what the standard was. I feel like they're going to be back, right back in the same contention that it was this year. I've only got one more, and I'll tie it into this question here on YouTube. But how excited are, for, are you getting ready to head into the NFL? Um, that whole process there, you were telling us in a production meeting how much like it just is like hitting you now. Like yeah. you're about to be drafted in an NFL team, and they're going to grab you. But uh, another question here asking, you know, which NFL player growing up inspired you? Which one did maybe you looked out to, mm-hmm. up to when you were young? Yeah, I'm excited about the about, about the draft because. You know, I wear this Florida State shit on my sleeve. Like, it's, I'm going to the league, and, you know, we got Sunte in the league, Jalen, Derwin. Like, you know, we got Ronald Darby. Like, we got DBs and P.J. Williams. Like, we got yeah. you know DBs in the league. So, just to add on to that tradition and go in with my head down, ready to work, ready to play ball. I mean, with everything I've learned at Florida State and just bring it to the league, it's just, you know what I'm saying, that's just a blessing. You know what I'm saying? I feel like Coach Norvell and Coach Pat – and just the whole staff, they just got me ready for that next step and everything that goes into that. So, I mean, I feel like I feel like I'm ready, and it's definitely a blessing. And the NFL player that inspired me the most growing up, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't really watch, like watch football. Like a lot of watch college football. I never really watched like NFL growing up. Like I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't start playing football until like that summer, my sophomore, going to my junior year. But, like, if I can name one player, it was always Darius Slade. Like, I always felt like we had almost, like, the same body type. We kind of moved the same. You know, he played offense a lot. You know what I'm saying? Went to Mississippi State. So, I always felt like, you know, so we had the same body type and the same play style in a sense. So, I always gravitated towards him. So, I always felt like that was, like – but if I could say a person that – I just watched and it was like, man, that boy right there, like, he one of the ones. It was Jalen Ramsey for sure, like. Come on, man, Jalen. We talk like what we talk about. Has <laughs> any of those former guys? Have you been able to talk with some of them? Have they been able uh, to reach out to you guys during your time at Florida State? I don't know if um, I talked to Darius Slate. I talked to Darius Slate a lot, but Renardo mm-hmm. Renardo talks to um Jalen Ramsey a lot. I still talk to Asante to this day. So yeah, I still talk to a bunch of them, but you know it's kind of hard to get into. And, Contact with Dermot James these days, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, yeah, but yeah, yeah I mean, I keep in contact with a lot of them. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great to see. And like you said, kind of yeah, Florida State is DBU, but now y'all are just re-energizing that whole thing. And I think this this mm-hmm. class and then the upcoming class, man, Coach Sertan, as long as they, as long as Norvell can keep them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Alfred Alfred's got a lot of work to do. He's gonna have to get that budget up, but uh, yeah. Yeah, the future is bright in that defensive back room. But we don't want to keep you on here any longer. We've gone over an extra 15 uh, minutes with you. But deeply, deeply appreciate you. As you can tell, man, we haven't had so, so many comments in here loving the interview in a while. So I uh, appreciate you, Jarian, hopping on here and giving us some really good insight on the behind the scenes to this team, your growth as a player and as a person, Coach Ravel, everything, man. It was a phenomenal interview. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all so much, man, for the state team of life. Man, Thanks, it did. Man. You really, you are really are, no. You're tatted too, and everything. You're, man, you're full on, mold. Man. Let me say, I saw. Oh, oh, my oh God. hold up now, <laughs> hold up. Wait, wait. Let me put on the full screen so then everybody can see it. Do it again. Damn, that's wild. Did, did that shit hurt? So bad, but I was <laughs> living it down by Florida State. <laughs> I, I now I fully. Fully, full. I mean, I already knew it, but God dang, man, that has got to be one of the biggest FSU tattoos I've ever seen. I think uh, 
who was uh, someone else on uh, on the team this last year? Maybe Fabo. I know does Fabo have one? A spear on his arm, right? Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big one too. Yeah, the spears yeah. are fire. I love that. That's kind of like the throwback uh, spear too. So yeah. a lot of FSB fans are going to love that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, we're looking forward to covering you. We're going to have be full on content wise covering you guys going into the NFL draft and your oh. pro day coming up and then also the nfl combine so we're going to be hands-on on a lot of that so uh, looking forward to catching up with you during that and best of luck man stay stay safe stay healthy and looking forward to uh seeing what see which team picks you up man i wouldn't be mad if you came down to Tampa here with us it's fun to cover <laughs> here with the bucks i could use some dbs yeah man gotta tell them come get me <laughs> hey i'll talk with i'll talk with uh, jason light we'll see what we can end up doing here in tampa but hey <laughs> Appreciate you hopping on here, man. Yes, I appreciate y'all. Thanks, Jari. Best of luck in the Shrine Bowl and with the process, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all. Well, that is Jarian Jones. And, you know, it's like one of those that you just know it's going to be a good interview. And we kind of knew that whenever we were talking in our group chat um, earlier this week, just knowing when you land one of those guys like that and – uh, he's a guy that brings up some great insight and uh, a good trash talker. Everything imaginable. He's just great for a podcast listen. But uh, honestly, the insight that he gave us was really good. And I'm glad the listeners got to come on here and listen to all that. That was awesome. You know, that was exactly what we were hoping to hear from Jaren, you know, giving us that inside look at his career and, you know, into the brotherhood that Florida State has really built over these last couple of years. And Jaren, a guy who was there from the very beginning. So I don't think anyone better to tell that story. I was not prepared for that spearhead tattoo. That was yeah, crazy. No. That had to cost that more was... than that uh, <laughs> the gear haul he was talking about going to pick yeah. and everything. That, that man, it's quite a tattoo. Oh, man. That is a tattoo. I can't wait to uh, clip that later for a tweet. That is phenomenal. He wasn't lying about it. He was telling us in the production meeting. He's like, I'm no blood. I'm no. And I, I knew it. I knew it because you could just see him on the field, man. He, he represents FSU and he does it really well. And, uh, he's got a lot of pride in his time at FSU and falling in love in the uni- with the university. So uh, going to be a great representation whenever he you know gets drafted and what he does further in life. Great guy and, and was really fun to cover at FSU. So we'll be keeping in touch with him and hopefully get an interview with him once he uh, gets drafted. All right, let's jump into a handful of things. Do we jump into the breaking news that happened during the show with Florida State landing yeah. an offensive lineman? Yeah, let's do it. Six, six, five, three, oh, five, Florida State lands an offensive tackle from Connecticut with Jacob Rizzi. This just happened, I don't know, 20 minutes ago during our interview with Jarian. But uh, I don't have a lot of homework on this whatsoever. Um, <laughs> yeah, never really do, any anyways. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, never really do, anyways. But I I had no idea. So, uh, Dustin, maybe during that time while we were talking with Jarian, did you end up getting any else here that we can talk about? Beautiful. Glad that you would uh, go ahead and defer to me. But Jacob well, Rizzi. All right, can you give us the rundown on Jacob Rizzi I mean, from Connecticut? I got a couple things. He played at Harvard. Obviously going to be a smart guy. Has some experience yeah. playing on the interior. I think FSU is going to like him as a backup center. Honestly, just to get some depth there. He's probably going to have to add some weight. I feel like at 305, it's going to be tough to keep up in the ACC. And also just an elite name. His name is Rizzi. Come on, man. going to be Risen up the competition if I've ever seen it. Okay, yeah, bring it. Gonna use something. <laughs> gonna use something better than that. 
bringing in an Ivy League grad transfer with uh, two seasons of eligibility remaining. And, you know, Rizzi, very versatile, started his career at center. I believe he's played a little bit of guard. And then at the last two years has played uh, tackle for Harvard, was a second team all Ivy League back in 2022, improved this year to first team and actually was at Florida State for an official visit. I think it was within I think it was last weekend, uh, I want to say Friday, Friday to Saturday, some type of visit like that. So Florida State was recently able to host him in person, you know, get a chance to verify his measurements and everything, have a meet with the staff. And clearly everything went well for him to commit just a couple of days uh, out of his trip to Tallahassee. And, you know, now Florida State picking up a third transfer offensive lineman in this uh, Tribe 24 class, which, man, is quickly growing in numbers. I think we're up to. I want to say 37 or 38 total incoming additions now between the high school signees and now all the guys that just continued to commit out of the transfer portal. So Florida State really doing a, a really big roster overhaul right here entering uh, spring. Yeah, might as well uh, just get them all. Get them all. We know Coach Atkins, he likes building an army at the front line. So uh, why not? But that's a big size human being. So. I always just think about, too, what Coach Storms can do with some of these cats that I don't think have the um, just the kind of utilization that some of the big Power 5 uh, teams can use at their uh, disposal. And coming down to Florida State, you can just only imagine what they can do with some of these guys. So, yeah, interested to see what uh, ends up going there and how he integrates into Florida State's offensive line with Coach Atkins. Uh, let's jump fun. in. Yeah, it should be. It's always fun. Definitely whenever, you know, Dustin, you go up there and you watch spring practice and you get a chance to at, at tour duty when you get a little sneak peek at that, seeing some of these newcomers there and you really get to see the size of them. But um, uh, once the pads come on too, these guys look ginormous, but we know what Coach Atkins likes and he, he likes some experience back there. Uh, let's jump into the schedule release because that definitely needs to be covered before it's too late. Um, but Florida State's 2024 schedule has been officially released. As we know, there was a few games that we already knew of ahead of time, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it up here for everyone to see on the stream for audio listeners. We'll run through all of them so you can listen. Why are and... you looking at the 2023 Oh, that's a 2023 one. Hold up now. Goofy. That's a 2023. Yeah, I don't see uh, Florida State and Dublin, Ireland. Uh, but Florida State's going to start off the season at Dublin, Ireland. Who's ready to go have some beers in Ireland? Who's ready to go see Florida State versus Georgia Tech? I would say if Florida State was facing a better opponent here, it'd be more intriguing to go. I don't think Ireland's one of my biggest European places that I do want to go and visit. Is it y'all's? Am I ruining y'all's dreams? I don't, I don't own a passport, so I don't think at this point I'm going to <laughs> You don't have a passport. The game. We got, we got some I'm time. Not, we can get you one. I'm we not overlooking one. this one. Georgia Tech, you know, maybe a, a slouch in years past, but Brent Key doing some real things there in Atlanta, and I, I don't think this is a game that Florida State can afford to overlook. Need to come out strong and not only win the season opener, but also the conference opener. I agree. I agree. Ireland is on my bucket list. Let me just say that. I don't want to diss Ireland here on the podcast. I do want to go there one day. Um, but I do agree. I think if it's a better opponent, um, it make it a little, little, more mar- little bit more marquee. Like, I'd love for this to be the Notre Dame game. I think that would have been awesome. That but, would fire. Uh, That's what I would imagine it would have been. Um, but either way, I think it's a, good, it's, a good first, it's a good first step or a good first start. 
And, you know, like Dustin was saying, Georgia Tech's not a team to sleep on. They, they definitely surprised some people under Brent Key this year. All right, we got it up here now. I'm going to try to get a bigger image on here so we can share it. But, oh, there we go. Look at that. Technology. Well, that's not getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Technology. Oh, there we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So uh, after that, Florida State's going to face Boston College. We kind of knew that earlier in the week, but they're going to be facing Boston College on a Monday night. And dope, Dustin. That's going to be exciting. That'll be really fun to go to. Should Monday be a good night game. Football. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. But season opener, that'll be the season opener for Boston College. And, um, you know, we, we saw that game win up in Boston a year ago. Thomas Castellanos almost was able to pull an upset out. And then you also have uh, Treshawn Ward returning home to play against Florida State in colors that are eerily similar to what he used to wear at Florida State. So a lot of storylines. Yeah, that will be fun. Love me some Treshawn Ward. So um be fun being able to watch him and hopefully doesn't do uh Florida State too bad. Uh, a lot of talent there. But yeah, Castellanos, man, really fun quarterback to watch as well. Uh, we'll see what Boston College has going into this 2024 season. Florida State's going to have a bye week there on September 7th. First and of then, three. Yeah, there's going to be three. And I've got tweets all throughout the day on why they have three buys. It's because Florida State has a week zero game. So if you go back a few years ago, Florida State having three buys shouldn't be too much of a shock here. Uh, getting some and also, time. also the college football season is starting a week earlier than normal. There we go. That's why. That's why every every school in the country has two buys. Mm-hmm. Florida State's one of the few with three since they start in week zero. Beasy's <laughs> face. Oh, hmm. There you go. Uh, uh, all I'm right, learning. I'm- There's. There you go. Fun, fun fact of the day. And then uh, the next fun fact of the day, Minor Vell's former team is coming into Tallahassee, Memphis on September 14th. He's going to be facing Memphis. Going to be fun there to watch that, but that's going to be Florida State's uh, next home game. They're going to have actually three straight home games before they travel over to Dallas and face SMU. Yeah, once again, three straight home games for the second season in a row. Granted, there's a bye week in between in this one, but I, I have a feeling Norvell is going to want to prove a point to his former team. I do really like this stretch. You know, Florida State gets uh, four four full weeks in Tallahassee and, you know, BC, Memphis, and Cal, you would think that FSU is able to handle those opponents leading into their first road game against SMU. And this will also, that game against Cal on September 21st, that'll be the first uh, ACC conference game for Cal, and then same thing when they go to SMU. That'll be SMU's uh, ACC opener as well. Which, by the way, SMU's first two ACC games were Florida State and Louisville. ACC mm-hmm. said, hey, welcome. Have fun. Yeah. After Enjoy. Boston College got that win in the bowl game. Yeah. Enjoy. Best of luck. And then, as everybody always wants to know when it will be, we're going to be having Florida State versus Clemson. On October 5th at home, like Jarring was saying, that was a wild game to be at up there at Death Valley. Now this time, Dabo's coming back down for some revenge. And if you think about it, DJ, Florida State's quarterback, is also going to be looking for maybe some revenge towards Dabo as well. So that's going to be the prime, prime storyline to watch going into this one. Really looking forward to that one. Florida State, 
finally snaps that losing streak against Clemson like uh, Jarian was talking about on the podcast, but still hasn't defeated them in Tallahassee since 2014. So this would be a big one to uh, get a victory over the Tigers in Dope Campbell Stadium and also a chance for DJU to match up against a school that he originally signed with out of high school. So another game where you're looking at a ton of storylines coming into it. Yeah, a few good home games this year. It's always headlined by Clemson. I feel like these days, just the way Florida's been the last few years. But yeah, there's DJU is going to be very prepped, very ready to go, very ramped up. Uh, I'm looking forward to that game. It's also the third straight year Florida State's had a bye week after playing Clemson, um, which I, I'm personally a big fan of. That's always a big physical game, and you need some time to get get healed up. I think I think it's perfect. Yep, they're going to have a bye week, but then you're going to be playing on Friday, a little bit of a day early. You're going to play on Friday night at Duke. Going to be a little bit of a different team. Mike Elko no longer there. So going to be going to Duke for this one. This is going to be on October 18th, and then you're going to have another road game, your big rivalry, uh, your biggest Florida rivalry to start off before facing Florida at the end of the year. you got Miami on October 26th. God, I'm liking the way this is lining up when you look at it because this is the only two-game road trip the Florida State's going to have to take all year, and you get the benefit of starting it coming out of a bye week. So you're going to have some extra time to prepare for that Duke game, and we know how much Florida State focuses on preparing for Miami uh, throughout the season. It's one of the two teams that Mike Norvell talks about during the uh, the first team meeting of the year. So, you know, it's going to be fun to uh, have those two opportunities on the road, and then you get a chance to come back and – I really like that November stretch as well. I know we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but to only have to travel away from Tallahassee one time in the final five weeks of the season, I think would be a, a big benefit for the Seminoles. And you also get an extra day to prep for Miami with the Duke game before it. You know, you'll be coming back to Tallahassee when most teams are playing their game. I think that's big, especially like you're just noting how much emphasis they put on that game. I think getting an extra day to prepare for it's never a bad thing. Uh, but this is definitely going to be the most telling four-game stretch of the season at Duke, at Miami home against Carolina, and then at Notre Dame in November. Uh, it's probably going to be like 15 degrees, and I'm going to be miserable if I decide to do it, go to that game, which I think I will. Um, yeah. But it's definitely going to be the biggest four-game stretch of the season. Mm. Yeah, you're going to go ahead and take care of that one for us because uh, I will not. I've done my Notre Dame. I did it when I was younger, and uh, that on November 9th is not going to be too fun. But the week prior to that is going to be North I'm Carolina. To, They'll be coming. I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go. You you go join you you be our two credentialed people going up there. You enjoy that. I'm gonna stay in the warmth down here, and who knows? Might have a you know, Todd Bowles might be taking this team. This could be a playoff run team down here with the Bucks. But uh, no. But seriously though, North Carolina is the week before, and then at Notre Dame, I would imagine. Yeah, that Notre Dame game is going to be a night prime time game. You got two massive fan bases, ratings, 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 and it'll be in on NBC. Most likely, so uh, that should be fun. But yeah, that stretch right there at Duke, at Miami, then you're at home against North Carolina, and then you're at Notre Dame before your bye week on November 16th. That is going to be a big stretch for Florida State as then kind of just be able to have some rest before going into your last two games of the season. It'll be huge right before you get to play those uh, final two FCS opponents and things off. Damn it, you beat me to it. Damn, jeez. <laughs> should, should we yeah. place bets if uh, Napier will be there on November 30th? Uh, not Looking I'm, at his I'm schedule, no. I don't think he'll make it past week five. Yeah, I'm saying no. I think they might keep him to the end and then fire him. but For recruiting reasons, maybe. But nowadays, it's like 
shit. That that just had seven game stretch that like not, I know a lot of people are talking about the five game stretch in the season, but if you take it two games further, it's Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, someone else from Florida State. It's just an insane stretch. There's just there's just no way he survives it. I'm just ready to see the over under on the uh, win totals <laughs> for him. Yeah, I mean, no, well, yeah, for Florida. I mean, how do you give them anything over? I mean, does, does the line start at three and a half or four and a half? I was going to say yeah. four and a half because last year was what six and a half or five? No, it was five and a half last year. And it was it, under. It might be three and a half. That's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> I mean, it is a gauntlet of the schedule. I, you can't even make fun of Florida. I mean, it is a, it is a tough schedule. Yeah, the SEC yeah. did them zero favors whatsoever. I actually liked what the ACC did with the schedule. I don't love going to Ireland and then coming back to play another ACC opponent. But at least they get an extra day, and it's on a mo- or a couple extra days. It's on a Monday, um, and then playing at. I feel like playing in the state of North Carolina on a weekday is always going to have freaky things. But at least you're playing Duke, who just got absolutely gutted with Elko going to Texas A and M. So could be worse. Yeah, at Duke right. and then at Miami, a place where Florida State. I mean, the game was over at halftime. The last time they went down there. So. Um, well, the game was well, over after the first drive. Well, Georgia game. Yeah, I mean. Uh, well, we're not I talking. Mean, you're right. That's, you're that's, right, but that's, we don't <laughs> make sure that. make sure you're giving some context. What's Jordan? Fans what might be Jordan after you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what game you're talking about. I don't even know when's the last time FSU played Georgia in football. I just remember the basketball game. I I, I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be more happy going down to that Miami game. That'll be a lot better of a drive. But we still had a good time down there as us staying in the Airbnb together. We still had some fun. We had a good time. Yeah, we did have a good time. At least when I wasn't sick, which was most of the week. Yeah, that was right. Yeah, and before I suffered a hematoma. (laughs) Hematoma on my hip. (laughs) Yeah, falling in the shower in the Airbnb. I don't know why we didn't even talk about that, but did we not? What's going on? No, we didn't. Figured out, you know, why Life Alert is such an important thing, and I've actually ordered one. So this this man this man fell in the shower. I was trying to take a nap because we got. We had it was a what, eight a.m. press conference, nine a.m. press conference. Every morning, yeah. And I was I was still getting over getting sick, so I come back try to fall asleep. I hear this thud in the shower, thinking he like dropped his phone or dropped the shampoo bottle in there or something. <laughs> nope, no. doesn't doesn't has a tennis ball sized bruise on his leg by the time he comes out. <laughs> I dropped my whole body. <laughs> Did you really your whole body? That's a my whole, whole body. body. My yeah, that's I was standing straight. I was standing yeah, on one hip. <laughs> Yeah, easy. I mean, and then my head slammed. That's impressive for his hip to hold on with that much weight. Y'all make fun of me for the hip jokes. At least mine just happened naturally. He fell in the shower. It was a natural fall. No, it was not. No, no, it was not. (laughs) Natural fall. There's nothing natural about falling in the shower. Natural. I slipped. I mean, (laughs) well, at least you didn't slip a you know what in your in your back. So. Relax. Easy. Has never, had happen I'll before. Never do that. Relax. Easy <laughs> has had that happen before. So, oh my god. Uh, yeah. Once once the off season, once it gets really boring, we have nothing else to talk about. We'll just go back and look at clips. How about that? Uh, oh, but anyways, man. for audio listeners, Florida State's going to finish off its season November 11, uh, November the 23rd against Charleston Southern, and then uh, at the very end, Florida at home, the Gators, which Jarian said. Uh, sorry both Miami and Florida. Sorry. So 
I, I agree with them. I do agree with them, but I think Florida State should have quite the edge, definitely if we're not expecting maybe Billy Napier to hang around. Uh, the Seminoles should have a good shot there to end off the season, regular season, with a W. Yeah, I think I like it's just so you. Un- yeah, no, it's not. It's not a bad setup. Like this is like the first time that I've seen FSU Twitter not go bananas or freak out. Like I, I saw last year, it was kind of that way. Some freakouts here and there. Then it settled in. Like okay, Florida State can take care of this. It was going to be a hard stretch to start off the season, but this one's fairly in their favor. They're just going to have that one pretty decent stretch at Duke. I'm not so worried about that. It's a Friday night game. You're at Miami, but that's not an atmosphere that you're worried about. You got UNC at home at Notre Dame is going to be a battle. And, uh, you know, I, I think Florida state is such a different team than what we've seen in previous years. Go travel up there um, and play that, play that Irish. So uh, I, I think it leans really good in, in FSU's favor. I think just starting off with two ACC teams is big for them as well, because as we learned this last year, as it was, there was no divisions. Florida state can start off leading the ACC right off the bat. And um, you know, I think that's something Mike Norvell and the staff likes. Just ha- just let it be on your own. You you take care of business and you go get your wins. And uh, yeah. And now, and once again, they're done with conference play in early November. This time, it's the first weekend of November by the second. So you know, by early November, you're already going to know if you're going to be in Charlotte. I think that's a big benefit for the rest of the season. Kind of get one of the early goals checked off out of the way early. I also just love the way the bye week set up. You know, you have two yeah. games. By week, you know, you get to figure out some of the kinks for those first couple games. Play four games that kind of ramps up, like kind of gets a little bit more difficult each week. Ends in Clemson by week. Another four games by week, and then two games and hopefully an ACC championship game after that last by week. I just think it's so well spaced out. This is the best made schedule they've had in a few years. That was what I was going to say. I think it lines up a lot better than maybe when we were looking back at 2022 or even uh, even last year's schedule. And like you said, the bye weeks come at a perfect time. The stretches aren't too difficult. I mean, you remember last year, Florida State had to deal with the early bye week and then I think finish the season playing on seven of the final eight weeks leading up to uh, that ACC championship. So you know, getting those bye weeks is going to be huge. And then, you know, getting a chance to come out of the gate and play these conference teams, but really that middle stretch where you start, you go to Clemson, Notre Dame, like that's where we're going to really learn about this team. And I think them having some time to kind of ease into things with the game against Georgia Tech, which I said is going to be harder expected, BC as well. But then you get to play against Memphis, California, and SMU, who, you know, I'm, I'm not too high on. I think Memphis is probably the best out of those trio of teams. SMU's gotten a lot of talent in the transfer portal. I think they've done as good of good of a job as anybody that's not Florida State and Louisville at acquiring talent this offseason. I think it's going to be a sneaky game. I am planning on being there, though. You're planning on being there? Yeah. I'm trying to go. Dallas is a great city. We got yeah, uh, we got like one less road game next season, so we got to get that budget right. Yeah, only, yeah. Four, only four road games. And yeah. you know, one of them, well, two of them one of us lives two hours away from with Logan pretty close to Miami. I'm pretty close to Duke. So just got to figure out the other two. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking at Notre Dame's here specifically. That's one that just really highlights for me, of course, a Clemson game. But Notre Dame's going to have a bye week before they face Florida State. Mm. Their biggest game that they're going to be, I'm just looking. Now this is how it is, and this is where we're at. Now I've got to look at, on FSU schedule, which team is actually going to stay good and be ranked to where Florida State is going to make it. And I mean, 
it doesn't win matter the anymore. Championship, it, yeah, and you erase that. But I, I still have to go through these things in my brain. I think a lot of FSU fans are as well. Let's say you're in the ACC championship, you lose a close game, Clemson. What do things do here if, you know, Notre Dame's ranked higher? You know, they're only facing Texas A&M. Outside of that, they're not – they have Louisville. If Georgia Tech actually ends up being decent, yeah, you can say that. But, you know, uh, I went against Mike Elko in his first year with Texas A&M. I think that's going to take a little while for them to get kicking Louisville. They, they can they can have a chance to be um, a, a threat, but you know Notre Dame should be ranked pretty highly to where Florida State's going to go on the road. You get a if you get a win on the road at Notre Dame, they're coming off of a bye. That's just huge for their resume. Just no matter what kind of scenario we're in, because that's where we're at right now. We just went through something uh, ridiculous and uh, this this past season. But I know there's 12 teams. But take care of business. Go to the ACC championship. You win. You don't have to worry about it. But I'm just you know. We're still dealing with the college football playoff committee. They're they're not gone. They're they're still here. I think the good thing is we're moving to the twelve team format. So as long as Florida State can have a you know a relatively successful season, I think twelve and zero is obviously ideal in the regular season. But if you're able to go eleven and one, maybe even that ten and two mark, and ten and two, and you qualify for the ACC championship and win and get into the twelve team playoff. But there are some scenarios where even if you lose a game or two you're still going to make it to the postseason. Um, They're going to be good losses. <laughs> it's stupid to even talk about after everything the last couple of weeks with going from four and then now we're at 12 again. But I think Florida State, they they should be able to make it. Uh, also, am I tripping? Oh, or does Notre, does Notre Dame only play 11 games next year? I've got it right here. I can share it to my screen. But five, six, seven. Let's count them up. Yeah, it's eleven. So they only play eleven games next year. That's that's weird in this day and age of football. Here we go. That's Notre Dame's schedule. Uh, They start off the season at Texas A and M. Yeah, I don't know. They're they've got Texas A and M has talent. Like no one's going to deny that. It's just whether Elko can get them coached up or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisville, they got at home. The Georgia Tech game's in, in quote, neutral site, but they're still in Atlanta. But yeah, you'll see at the end of the season, but that doesn't really matter. Florida State faces them. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, that's, they that's had another game. game. Hopefully, they had another game before us if they do add a 12th game. Um, instead of being between Virginia and USC, hopefully it's just before the Florida State game, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's the schedule. We might dive deeper into it later on, look at some of the opponent's schedules and how, you know, who they're facing before they face Florida State, all that kind of stuff, and their bye weeks, yada, yada, yada. But I thought that was worth mentioning about Notre Dame because that one's going to be a fun one up there in the cold. Uh, let's jump into these really quickly. Don't need to jump into this for too long here, gentlemen, but. Number one, when you start off with Joshua Farmer signing with the battle's end. I think all of us on here last week were talking about Daryl Jackson. Daryl Jackson's staying, signing with battle's end. So is Joshua Farmer. Those two are hand-in-hand. Hand. But Florida State, though, getting 
getting Joshua Farmer back though is huge for that interior defensive line. And as a playmaker, he disrupts and it's someone that, you know, Odell Higgins and coach Adam Fuller really wanted to have back and glad some things were figured out and yada, 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 NIL, whatever. But just as a player overall, Florida state's getting their stud back and one of their star defensive tackles for this next season, one of their most productive guys as well. It's massive. He's coming off a breakout campaign in 2023. And Joshua Farmer, you know, ever since he got to Florida State, he just continued to develop and get better. You know, think back to when he signed with FSU as a three-star prospect in the 2021 class and only weighed, I think, about 240 pounds or so around the time. And then since then, you know, in that strength and conditioning program, working every year to just get better and better. And I thought we really – we saw some of those signs in 2022, but then it really turned into these big flashes this past season, especially with him holding down that starting role in a interior defensive line room that had so much talent, including Fabian Lovett, you know, Braden Fisk, Malcolm Ray, Dennis Briggs, Daniel Lyons, a lot of really good guys in that group. And Joshua Farmer was the one who was able to uh, earn the most consistent playing time among them. Now he was limited by that hand injury down the stretch of the season, obviously kept him out of the orange bowl. But I think if he's, if he's able to get back healthy, it's going to be another really big year for him as long as he can continue to improve this off season. And I think there's a lot of motivation for him. You know, he's obviously potentially got a future at the NFL level, but now with him coming back, uh, Daryl Jackson is going to be eligible going into a 2024 season. These guys are going to be able to play alongside each other, starting there on the interior at Florida state going into their uh, respective uh, money years. And they both changed their numbers. You know, you got Joshua farmer now at number five. I know Austin, you were talking about how you don't, you don't like uh, Jackson being number six. And you got five and six walking down the interior defensive line and five, five plus six equals 11. That's Patrick Payton. (laughs) Oh God. You you wrote this down. You're gonna have you're gonna have a lineup that goes five, six, seven when Mar- when Marvin Jones Jr. is in there. Oh wow! There you go. Look at that. Dude, who's on. who's wearing four? Who's wearing four on defense this year? Do we know yet? Uh, Lester. That's or right. as uh, Dustin's is this Dustin's article? Uh oh. Goofed. Yeah, Dustin. Uh, or Charles Kester, the third. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> now let's run through some of these newcomer uh, numbers though these jersey numbers uh earl little jr jarian big fan of him uh, alabama transfer he's gonna be wearing number zero which is formerly of fabo what do you think about db wearing zero i'm trying to picture interesting i feel to me if you're wearing zero you gotta be a tiny dude like if it's jakai perfectly yeah 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 just like a little I gadget just... guy Earl Little's not uh, little. I know that's what his name <laughs> is. It's just. Oh my god! All right. Anyways, we won't. We're not going to definitely dive into all these. We'll be here for thirty minutes because there's a ton of names here. But Cam Davis wearing number three. Thought he'd go with four, but you know who's going to be wearing number four as Florida State starting quarterback in 2024 is DJ. He's going to be wearing number four for Florida State. I know you said we're not going to touch on all of them, but I've I've thought. Cam Davis has been Cam Akers all along, so to see him in number three is just perfect for me. Yeah, it just brings back memories of some good times. But uh, yeah, Jalen Brown, LSU transfer wide receiver, is going to be wearing number six. Marvin Jones Jr., like you said, VZ, number seven, Georgia transfer defensive end. Alabama wide receiver. It's crazy. LSU, Georgia, it's like starting to all hit me in the head. But Malik Benson is going to be wearing number 10 for Florida State, the wide receiver position. 
defensive end transfer, Zion Lelahea is going to be wearing number 13 for Florida State. No. Uh, running back transfer, Speedy, Indiana. I'm telling you, he's going to be a speedy demon for Florida State's offense. Jalen Lucas is going to be wearing number 13 previously of Florida State great Jordan Travis. Uh, Luke Romanhawk, number 14. I already knew that. Kai Bates, 14. I already knew that. Luane McCoy, wide receiver, number 15. Alabama transfer linebacker Sean Murphy is going to be wearing number 15. Freshman tight end Landon Thomas is going to be wearing number 18, formerly of Tate Rodemaker. Uh, Jamari Howard is going to be wearing number 18. Who do you think of number 18 first off the bat when you think defensively for Florida State? I think Travis J. That's insane. Isn't that wild? Maybe in the um, chat. Defense number 18. Blake Nicholson. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been drawn into my head for the past year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you keep thinking about that one, VZ. Uh, I got defensive line <laughs> transfer, Tommy Wah. That's wearing number 19. Now, that's the way to say it. That's the way you know, to say it. You know, it. the first 18 that came to mind was, was Roderick Hoskins. Roderick Hoskins. Yeah, I remember Roderick. That Thump actually stands out. Yeah, big boy. Big boy. Uh, defensive back Devontae Brown to be wearing number 22. Roydale Williams, Alabama transfer running back. He's going with number 24. Offensive line transfer from Florida, Richie Leonard. Is going to be wearing number 67. We got a 69 guy, and it's going to be coming from Alabama with Terrence Ferguson, the second. Nice. Offense. Yeah. Nice job, Terrence. Thank you for taking that up for us. Uh, Jaden Todd, offensive lineman, is going to be wearing number 78. BJ Gibson, true freshman wide receiver, is going to be wearing number 80. And then Camden Fryer. Going to be taking Kentron Poitier's number, which we're about to talk about here. He changed his number. He's going to be wearing number 88, Camden Fryer, true freshman wide receiver, who we're all excited for on this show. Uh, we, we very highly of him, had him on the, the podcast as well, but uh, I think he's an absolute freak, and Florida State needs that good white wide receiver, that speedy guy that just irritates defenses and fans, and that's where Camden Fryer comes in. Florida State's been looking, looking for years, and they finally got one of them, so... Uh, Camden Fry and then Grady Kelly is going to finish us off here. Defensive lineman wearing number 90. And then we got some returnees changing their jersey numbers. We're going to watch Shaheen Brown go from 38 to 1. How are we feeling about that? 38 to 1. I kind of like Shaheen in 38. I got used to it. Yeah, I kind of vibe with the 38. He's going to be taking Akeem Dent's former number. So uh, then we got another number one switch here. Poitier is going from number 88 to number one. Number one's back on offense. It was what, Winston Wright last Winston year? Winston Wright. Yeah. Yep, Winston for a little bit. Whatever. Uh, like as we talked about earlier, Joshua Farmer's going from number 44 to number five. Daryl Jackson to number six from 14. Here we go, big one here. We talked about Wajarian. Azari Thomas is going from number 20 to eight. The Ocho, that is a big number to have on Florida State's defense. Going back to a lot of years ago, I always just think of Timmy Jernigan there, my favorite Florida State player. Uh, Omar Graham Jr. is going from 36 to 9. That one's interesting. That one is interesting to me at linebacker. I I don't love it. To be honest, I don't love it. 
Shout out to DMAC. Now over Colorado. Uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, Blake Nicholson. Yeah. Blake Nicholson, 18 to 20. Not much of a big, you know, just two numbers going up to 20. Uh, Jaden Jones is going from 22 to 44. He's going to take Joshua Farmer's number. But that's, yeah, I, I like that on a defensive end now. I do like the yeah. 44 over there. 22 doesn't sound like a defensive end to me. Uh, and then Edwin Joseph is going from 13 to 33. I, I mean, 13 is a way better defensive back number to me. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't someone take 13 on defense? One of the incomers? Or am I wrong? I would imagine it had to be a trailer. If not, he just wanted to go to 33. I don't know. Which I just can't. I can't buy that. Did you say Blake yeah. Nicholson's number change? Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Cool. Um, and then real quick here, let's mention some guys that assigned with the Battles End. Ja'Kai Douglas, Ashlyn Barker, safety. Uh, Cam Davis, true freshman running back coming in. Jalen Lucas, the Indiana transfer. And Kai Bates, the true freshman defensive back. And Easy. Since, oh, then, since, you were, since you put that note down, also Terrence Ferguson and Tomiwe Durojaye have signed with the Battles End. Nice. What we love to see guys getting paid and shoot jarring man god i wish wish i could have played college football or had any chance of a sport and and college that would have been great because jarring just gave us a little scoopage on you know what he what he spent before he left tallahassee on some fsu gear and they're, they're getting they're getting taken care of they're getting taken care of so shout out to the battles and and uh all that going on there and taking care of the players but uh big some big uh signings there to have VZ, real quick, finish us off because, man, Florida State got a big win last night on the road against Syracuse in dominating fashion. Leonard Hamilton, like you said here, welcome to the Hamster Dam. Basketball is back for this week. It's back. Before we get to that, a little bit of trivia for you. With DJ wearing four, who was the last quarterback to wear four for Florida State? Uh, Oh, no, 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 no. And I I will say quarterback. Was there a position change? See it if the chat knows it too. The last quarterback to wear number four for Florida State. And it was actual quarterback. Don't tell me it was uh Anquan Bolden. It was Anquan Bolden. Two thousand one uh, he was listed at quarterback and wore number four. Jeez. Wow. Um throwback. Yeah, man, I would have never known that. Ba- basketball. First, Miami game. We didn't we didn't get a chance to talk about the Miami game. And Matthew Cleveland right. throwing up the stinker of all stinkers. Two points, two rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, one of eight from the floor. As I tweeted after the game, double agent Matthew Cleveland, because he was playing for Florida State once again, beating Miami. Um, just it was, it was a great game. It was a game Florida State honestly needed. And they came out and played great basketball. It looked like they were going to run away with the game a little bit in there in the second half, but Nigel Pack made it interesting, hit some unbelievable shots. But Florida State responded and came away with a big win in Coral Gables. I, I thought that said a lot about what this team can be. Um, and it's always good when you beat a former player who transfers to your rival. And the team def- definitely seemed like they, they weren't having any of it. Uh, with Cleveland. Cleveland looked distraught throughout the game. I mean, he was fumbling passes out of bounds. His shot selection looked like he hadn't played basketball in three years. 
Um, just was not a great showing from him, and I couldn't have been happier. Uh, it, was a, it was very fun to watch live. Uh, I'll leave it at that. The Clemson game on Saturday was disappointing. The offense just couldn't get anything going. And honestly, credit to Coach Brad Brownell at Clemson. He just continuously switched up their defense and timeouts, going from zone, going to man. You could tell Florida State just wasn't in a rhythm on offense, and it, it cost them in the second half. Clemson really took over down the stretch. Then Florida State, like you were just saying, huge win last night in the Dome in Syracuse. Another game that was you know back and forth for the first half. Syracuse started to separate a little bit there in this in the couple first couple minutes of the second half. Those final fourteen minutes were all Florida State. I want to say they outscored Syracuse thirty eight to seventeen over the final thirteen minutes and change. You know, Jameer Watkins, what an incredible find find by this staff. Career high twenty seven points, and they needed all twenty seven. He completely set the tone physically just whenever Florida state was in a rut, he says, okay, I'll put my head down and get to the rim. And he got to the rim absolutely whenever he wanted to um, 11 rebounds, three steals. Baba Miller had a great game with 12 points. Primo Spears ended up with 13. Cam Corn ended up with 10. They forced 16 Syracuse turnovers. And I think Florida state as a team only had nine, which these are the two best teams in the conference enforcing turnovers so to only cough up nine against Syracuse that's a that's a really good performance by this team it's a great win and you know I, I said in the preview article there's very few must-win games in January but coming off the Clemson loss and having to play North Carolina on Saturday this was arguably a must-win and they did that they did what they had to do to come away with a almost a 20-point win in the Dome which is very impressive they're the first team to beat Syracuse in the Dome all season that that's not something you should take lightly just took them to town in the second half. I mean, Florida State just – it was a close game back and forth in that first half, and they just took it to another level. Jameer Watkins pretty much said, I'm not walking out of here without a victory. I mean, he almost ripped the rim down. Yeah. I don't know if you talked about that dunk. I mean, just crazy powerful dunk. And then he came he came back a couple minutes later with another one. Um, Florida State, you know, getting back on track – the right way after that loss to Clemson and, you know, still plenty of promise in Tallahassee coming into a huge game against North Carolina on Saturday. I think if they win this one, would you say they're firmly getting into that talk of being a bubble team? Yeah, there's a few, what's the term for it? Bracketologist, I think they yeah. call themselves. Um, there's a few people I've already seen that said if they beat Carolina on Saturday, they're in that next four out picture, which if you consider how the season started, Right now they're sitting with three quad three losses to SMU, Georgia, and Lipscomb. You know, if you, if you beat North Carolina and you're all, all of a sudden in that picture, that's a huge turnaround from where they were just a month ago. And it's incredible. At the same time, they're 6-2 and two right now in the ACC. Two years ago, they were 6-2 and two in the ACC and then lost seven or eight straight. So they've got to be able to respond here, continue to stack wins on wins. And, you know, obviously what happened two years ago was a crazy situation where you, almost your entire team got hurt. You're playing six guys every night. This team's healthy. They're finding consistency offensively. And I saw some people last night go, why are we not rotating when Syracuse is driving to the basket in these quick, quick scenarios? The adjustment Florida State made was we cannot allow this game to keep going slow. We need to speed them up at whatever cost. 
So they threw Jameer Watkins and Jalen Worley at Judah Mintz in the backcourt, which either made him go fast to get a quick bucket or give the ball ahead and get a quick shot attempt. And whatever the result was, they were fine with it. And Syracuse, three minutes after that, they were gassed. They were so tired. They could not keep up with the pace that Florida State was establishing then because as soon as Syracuse attempted a shot, Florida State was getting a defensive rebound and pushing the pace on the other end. And you, you saw them turn those into points with lobs. Primo Spears finally connected on lobs. Jalen Worley had a nice couple. Jameer had a nice pass for a lob. They were just doing what we've seen Florida State do, you know, four or five years ago, taking advantage of these situations, and they're playing with a purpose. They weren't doing that a month ago. And it's fun to see. It's fun to see a competent basketball team again. And even if they don't make the tournament, which who knows, we still have almost – was it six weeks, seven weeks until Selection Sunday? There's still a lot of basketball to be played. But, it's again, it's fun just to have a decent basketball team again, whatever the result ends up being. Hell of a job by this coaching staff to get them back to where they are now. Because, like, this team was dead a month ago. No life whatsoever. Mm-hmm. No, I, I remember we were talking about, we were like, well, at least we had one fun episode of basketball this season when they started going on that downswing. And, you know, after last year, who knew if they were going to be able to climb out of it? But I think it's a testament, not only the coaching staff, but the new players that came in, the guys that stayed um, from last year to battle back and, you know, go out there and, and win. Was it now six of their last seven? Yeah. Six of the last seven. So they're on a really hot streak now going into an important stretch of conference play. And, you know, you go and beat a top 10 UNC team. I think you're feeling really good about yourself as you get not, towards February. Not only top 10, they're third in the country right now. Like they're playing as good as basketball as anybody. They have a two-game lead over over anyone in the ACC, which, by the way, Florida State is second mm-hmm. in the ACC, which is just – if you had told me that a month ago, I would have thought the world ended. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be a fun matchup on Saturday. Florida State played them really well in Chapel Hill. They just couldn't quite close it down the stretch because UNC does what UNC does, and they go on these crazy long runs fueled by R.J. Davis, who – by the way, it's coming off a career-high 36 points. I don't know if you want me to say that or not. Um, I'm full expecting him to have 40 points on Saturday because R.J. Davis is just a killer. He's so good. Um, but it should be a good game. And if Florida State's offense shows up, it's, it should be a really, really competitive game. I'm looking forward to watching that. That'll be really fun. And D'Lo, you're going to show up. You're going to be there, right? I'm going. Wow. I'm going to have some beers wow. and some dogs. And that means I will I will actually not be able to cover the game. Me neither. Whoa. I will Whoa. be I will be catching up with Coach Gates and Seawax. I'm gonna go watch Mizzou at South Carolina. They play at one and Florida State plays at two. So I'll be watching the game on my phone at the South Carolina game, but won't be able to cover it sadly. Wow. So you chose that over FSU so here's the thing. North Carolina. Here's the thing, right? Wow. When this when the schedule was first announced, the South Carolina game was at two. And the Florida State game was at four. Like, perfect. I, I don't have to worry about it. Now the South Carolina game's at one and the Florida State game's at two. So I'm uh, not very happy about that. But I, I told him I was going. <laughs> it's all right. I uh, live tweeting, I don't know. Uh, it's been a while since I've done basketball live tweeting. So Yeah, I'll do my best. Like. Uh, like I said, I'll be watching the game from my phone, so I may just have to update it during media timeouts, and then I'll write I'll write a recap article on my phone before I drive back to Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's gonna be a little bit different for me. 
Well, I'll yep. be uh, right. I'll be sipping a beer while you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, Dustin's gonna be there just hanging out, chilling. I'm hoping. Hey, I'm hoping to bring the good energy. But you know, last week my parents went to their first game of the season where FSU played Clemson, and and it was their worst offensive performance in over a month. So. They did not win. So I'm hoping. Yeah. You know, hey, maybe you put me in there instead. <laughs> ran the magic. If we lose, we're blaming it on Dustin. That's what I'm hearing. Oh, one thousand. That's, that's fine. I think I think FSU is going to win this one by seven points. Wow. wow, I would be thrilled. I would be, I would be thrilled if Florida State comes away with a win Saturday. You know, I, I was saying on Twitter yesterday, it's the first time I've smiled watching Florida State basketball in two years. <laughs> smiled. That's so sad. That's, I, I was joking about it on Discord. You. Or at some point last year, you put "sad Austin V as he lead basketball writer." Is my name in here? Yeah. That was my that was my header on Twitter for a year and a half, and I finally changed it last week. Look at that! Times are changing. <laughs> but hey, appre- yeah. But appreciate everybody in here. Almost up to a hundred likes on here. We haven't had that happen in a very long time. So appreciate everybody on YouTube hanging out with us. All of our audio listeners, definitely specifically our YouTube people. Y'all are absolutely going wild on there. Like. 7,000, 8,000 views. Uh, uh, you know, definitely got to give props to probably our guests coming on here. But even before that, y'all are really loading up our YouTube channel with some views and tuning in and comments and everything. So it means the world to us Ed, to think that a lot of y'all and thousands maybe are listening to us talk and just chatter about something that we love talking about and football, basketball, recruiting, transfer, all this kind of stuff is astonishing to me sometimes. So I appreciate a lot of the love that we've had the last couple of episodes. Uh, shout out to also our audio listeners. If you're over there too, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, appreciate everything. Have a great rest of y'all's week. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on that YouTube, help us get to 100 likes. Uh, definitely deeply appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, and yes, we will be blaming Dustin if they lose because he's there in attendance. All of us are not there, me and VZ specifically. So if Dustin goes and they lose in North Carolina, no matter how good North Carolina is, it's all blame is on Dustin, and we'll start off the show talking about that. So anyways, you have a great weekend. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see you guys next Wednesday at 7 p.m. with another guest. We have another guest locked in. We might have two... Who is it? It's starting to load up. It? The list is starting to load up. Who is it? Uh, in the trenches. We're heading into the trenches this time. We're heading. We were in the trenches with Braden. We went a little bit on the in the backfield a little bit there with Jarian tonight. We're going back in the trenches, but this time is it offensively or defensively? It's going to be offensively. So there's your good tip. We'll see you guys next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Peace. Same color t-shirt. Mama told me not to sell work.